0: We'll get to some of the action from last night. Your main event in the UFC, you had Derek Brunson taking on Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland obviously riding high. He was on a five-fight win streak. Derek Brunson had his own win streak going. Um, and you look, Kevin Holland's a fun fighter. Uh, talks a lot. Is you know, it was it was fun watching him interact with Habib during the midst of the fight. Uh, Talking smack when he's even on the ground. All that type of stuff. I, I like fighters like that. That's that's fun. But Derek Brunson, look. That was like old school. Grab your hard hat, you know. the 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 guy who's the 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 fancy striker who talks all that bleep, you know, he just rammed his rammed his chest right into him, took him down, um, and 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 then went to work. You know, basically dominated rounds. uh, A couple flash moments for Kevin Holland in the first and the second, um, and then in the fifth, looks like he, you know, he finally had uh, Derek Brunson a little bit worn down and, and and was putting some damage on him and things like that, but it just wasn't enough. So you had uh, you had Derek Brunson moving his way into a 49-46, 49-46, 49-45 victory, and that's all she wrote for that main event. He called out Paul Acosta afterwards. I think that's a, a deserving matchup for Derek Brunson, who's looking to get his way back into the middleweight title picture, um, doing his work down here in South Florida and uh, shout out to him. He got himself a nice win. Uh, The fun fight for me, the best main event of the night, uh, I really, really enjoyed Virgil Ortiz taking on Maurice Hooker. I thought that was a really fun fight. Um, You know, you had Virgil Ortiz really uh, testing the waters against a guy like Maurice Hooker, and, you know, had this insane KO record for 16-0, 16 knockouts. You know, what is the young buck, 22 years old, going to do? Maurice Hooker in his hometown, he's getting booed like crazy because it's a... Uh, a heavy Virgil Ortiz crowd. And I thought it was a really good fight. I thought even some of the scorecards were uh, were were way off from the standpoint of, you know, it's some people... One judge had a shutout for Virgil, Virgil Ortiz. One only gave a, a round to Maurice Hooker. I thought it was a... I thought, especially through four, I thought it was a very, very even fight. I thought that Virgil Ortiz definitely took the first round. Second one was pretty even. Third, fourth, I thought were pretty clear for Maurice Hooker. I thought that he was... Uh, You know, felt that he had his time. He had Virgil Ortiz's timing, had a speed advantage. Um, And the thing that was that was fun about Maurice was he was any time it looked like it was getting hard, and you would think a guy would wilt. He actually um, came forward and 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 brought the fight to Virgil Ortiz. So I thought that was a. I thought that he had a. I thought Ortiz had a really really willing dance partner, and probably more willing than he had to be. And now the the fight really changed in. uh, I think it was the fifth. Fifth round, where, um, you know, he hit him with an uppercut and then a straight right hand to drop him. That was a big turning point of this fight. Um, he was starting to unleash some really hellacious body shots on Maurice Hooker. So you saw that the power was coming through for the uh, for the young fighter. And then eventually we got to the last round, and you know they get into this exchange in the center of the ring, and then you see Maurice Hooker drop. But it's tough to see what punch it is. And, you know, the 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 broadcasting crew was way off on this because Sergio Mora, who I think is good, I like Sergio Mora. Um but they were just like, you know, they were just kind of lost in what had actually happened because they at first were saying that it was uh, you know, they were just looking for a punch, and essentially what happened is Maurice Hooker broke his hand, and and just didn't want to fight anymore because he he hurt his hand very badly in, in an exchange. But they kept saying, "Oh, well, they dislocated his elbow." They thought it was a Canelo uh, Callum Smith situation where he busted the bicep. They thought it was. Then they were looking for a body shot. Then they were looking for a head shot. There was no shot. Like it was a, it was a good exchange between the two of them, and Maurice Hooker got hurt in the middle of it crowds booing him like crazy he has to give him the double birds like he's stone cold steve austin um but i thought it was i thought it was a good performance by him i thought that 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 Maurice hooker uh did well in this matchup where he was a 10 to 1 underdog and uh for virgil virgil you know withstood the test i think he, he, he took on a game opponent who was there to scrap with him who was uh, who was gonna give him some some punch back and he withstood that i thought that uh if it wasn't for the injury, it did seem like Virgil was turning the tide of the fight. I think that he took the last two rounds, so he's probably up 4-2 on most scorecards. And, you know, that's all she wrote for him. I, you know, the idea that he um, – there was some talk about him taking on Terrence Crawford because uh, their you know, they're, they're teammates, Maurice Hooker and, and, and Terrence Crawford, I think that's a bad idea. Uh, he seems, first of all, way too young. Way too susceptible to some shots. I think if he was taking on a more savvy fighter like Terrence Crawford, who's also a violent puncher, I think that's bad news for Virgil Ortiz. I think that's just way, way too much too soon for him. He still needs some some seasoning. Um, you know. But look, we've seen young guys like Tiafema Lopez, 23 years old, take on a, a risk like Vasily Lomachenko. You probably would have thought it was too much too soon. So, I mean, maybe. But it, to me, I, first of all, I think that Terrence is a better fighter than Vasily. And I just think that, uh, I think that ends up being, uh, being bad news for him. So that was, uh, that was, uh, two of the main fights last night you had for us. Let's get into uh, a lot of the news and notes from the week. Here's the rest of our podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on in Tobin's fight show here on seven ninety the ticket. Thank you for joining the program. Really appreciate it. A lot of news and notes happening. We talked a lot last week about how a lot of championship fights, uh, were coming down to South Florida. Uh, Zandrade was one of them that was, uh, was named and we got some more of that to come to a lot. It looks like, uh, some more fights will be coming down here in the, in the near future. I think we mentioned Teofimo Lopez, uh, got some more interesting details on that, that I got, I, I can give you. Um, but this was interesting. So Mike Tyson, when uh was on his hot boxing podcast this week, he was with Canelo Alvarez, Eddie Reynoso, and Henry Cejudo. I haven't watched the whole thing, but I did see the clip of this. And he was asked about where his next fight was going to be. And Tyson said that it's going to be at the end of May, like May 29th, May 30th. Um, So I imagine the last Saturday in May, Memorial Day weekend. And he said it's going to be at Hard Rock Stadium, that it's going to be at the uh at the place where canela fought that's what the way he said the place you fought uh Yildirim. which uh a couple things one that's all that's awesome that we're gonna have mike tyson down here it sounds like sounds like which makes sense look a lot of people are coming down here uh to florida you guys are seeing how wild spring break is you want to talk about you know some fight games and all you're seeing down there it's crazy um but a lot of people are coming down here because we are you know, the most open, we're most willy-nilly with the COVID rules. We, uh, we're uh, opening first, all that type of stuff. And not all these shows, like uh, it was announced, we talked about the, the Andre fight last week. That is going to be behind closed doors. So not all of them are, are still completely opening up yet. I've been to Heat games, and they're still not all the way back. You know, the Heat are doing, you know, 3,000 fans. I think the Panthers are up to like 5,000. I think I've seen attendance numbers in that. So the Panthers are, are even a little bit more... Uh, they're they're opening it up a little bit more they're being a little bit more loose with it all that type of stuff. So it makes sense that somebody like Mike Tyson, you know, now that you go from you know the the behind closed doors and that was supposed to be against Roy Jones with fans and that was a big thing in the negotiations to put it in a place where there are gonna be fans. Uh, I, there's no word on an opponent yet. Um, the Holyfield thing is still getting kicked around. I guess that's, that's one of the rumors. I wouldn't even be surprised if they go back in the direction of Roy Jones. But one of the things that I found interesting about this is when I first saw this news, um, the timeline and the dates were a little bit interesting because Triller is putting together the George Cambosis, Teofimo Lopez, lightweight championship fight. And that's also, been in that same range where they've talked about May 29th, June 5th has been the the timetable they're talking about and they are targeting uh, Tiafima Lopez and George Cambosis to be down here. So there's a couple things that are interesting about that. One, if Tyson is going to fight down here and going to have a boxing match down here, will that, you know, scare them off from doing Tiafimo Lopez versus uh, George Cambosis, e- even though it's a more legit boxing match, or do they think that Tyson is more the freak show? They have more of the actual boxing match. That's, that's one thing that's, that's an interesting um, development. I don't know. I don't. And the other thing is when I first saw the news, I was like, Oh, then it's going to be a co-feature. It's going to be something that is, it's going to be George Cambosis and, Mike Tyson, they're going to be on the same, same card, but I read in boxing scene, this comes from boxing scene. It says, uh, let me get the, uh, the deets. So Ryan Kavanaugh, who is the owner of Triller, he had previously told boxing scene that Tyson, if he chooses to do future exhibitions with his legends of only legends, only league, Triller has the first and last right of refusal to obtain the rights of the show. So I guess they did like a two fight deal the last time they did the, uh, the, the last time that he did the uh, the, the Roy Jones fight. Um, Kavanaugh had also previously said that TFMO Lopez versus George Cambosis, Triller Fight Club pay per view will be on a separate show and not staged at the same card potential as Mike Tyson or a potential Mike Tyson Holyfield fight. That's also interesting um, because, you know, that's a lot of money that they're putting into one card. I don't know if that economically pans out for them. I don't know how much they have to pay Mike Tyson. Um, I don't know. And we know that they're paying Cambosis and they're paying, especially Tiafimo, a lot of money to do this fight. And they are trying to kind of legitimately get into the boxing game too, you know, with a a sideshow of, of gimmick and they would obviously want to have this fight locked up because you have the Jake Paul fight that's coming up in about a month's time, and that's going to have a lot of uh, you know backing behind. You have, uh, Antonio Tarver is going to be fighting on that card, so there's other stuff with that as well, but uh, one of the things that was interesting about this was that on March 4th, Tiafimo had deleted a tweet announcing that his fight was going to play, take place June 5th in Miami, and we talked a little bit about this last week, where we said that Tiafimo and Cambosa seemed like it was going to be aimed towards South Florida, which makes a lot of sense. Cambosa's trains down here, even though he is from Australia, he does train out here in Davie at Javier Santana's, uh, sweat box gym. and uh, Tiafimo Lopez has, has, you know, basically birthed his bat his, his boxing career down here with, uh, with a lot of the, 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 stuff that he did as a younger fighter. So, um, it makes sense to have the fight down here, but, it seems like they're both, you know, kind of eyeing the same weekend area. And it's a couple things, you know, one, does Triller, you know, are they going, they, they made a big deal and, and made a big, in a weird way, they made a big investment into Lopez Cambosis, which seems silly when you think about, oh, you have a Mike Tyson fight. Um, but they do seemingly want to get in the legit boxing game and they kind of shook it all up with the, with the big purse bid they made. So they want to, they have a lot invested into this fight. It's important to them. Um, The interesting thing is then, so when does the Tyson fight happen? You know, the other thing could be like, you know, maybe they're not even worried, you know, Tyson's just saying stuff and, you know, maybe Tyson will kick it down the road to, to July. You know, maybe I I would just think that they're going to, I don't think there's anything wrong. Like if anything, you know, it's it's a very similar model to the UFC. They they're would almost set themselves up if they could do Jake Paul fighting in April, either Mike Tyson or Cambosis Lopez in May, end of May, and it wouldn't cross over too much with um, Canelo, who would be fighting earlier in the month. And then... Uh, you would say sometime in the summer you do whichever one loses out, then you do that one. It would be a hell of a trio for Triller. That's a tongue twister. But we don't know yet if Triller is even going to be in the Mike Tyson game. We don't know that. Uh, I would think that if they – I would think that they would want to be because that's kind of how everybody learned about them. You know, Mike Tyson, Jake Paul, all of that stuff. That's kind of how we all – it was their coming out party. So I would think that they would want to – Keep it going, and that they would want to uh, keep Mike Tyson in the fold. But you know, Mike Tyson's also the big dog there. So if he wants to fight on a certain weekend, and that's going to mess up their other plans, then Mike Tyson's going to fight when he wants to fight. It was just it was an interesting thing that got uh, released this week. But look, all that's for them to worry about. The, the 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 real good part of it for us is Mike Tyson says he's fighting in Miami. It's it, it looks very much like we're going to get Tiafima Lopez and George Cambosis in South Florida. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, in Miami. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, BB&T. Who knows? But it looks like it's going to be somewhere in South Florida, which is awesome. And... Sets up for a really, really great time. So there was that this week, as far as the the boxing world was concerned, and and uh especially you know the exhibition realm. But this drill is shaking it up, man. I you know it, whether they're in the Tyson thing or not, it's they they definitely have their hand in the cookie jar in a, in a lot of stories. And then if they were to get Mike Tyson, that sets them up for you know three of the biggest fights or, or three of the fights that's going to garner the 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 most eyeballs over this spring summer season cuz you got you know we obviously Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders is going to be a big deal. Um combat sports wise UFC's got the uh the the Masvidal fight which we'll get to, the masvidal Loosman's coming back up the rematch which will do big big numbers I think. And then they'll have the mcconnell McGregor-Dustin Poirier trilogy probably in July if I had to guess. And you know those are definitely big ones, and then of course we have Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. So the the year's setting up to have some really really big bouts, but you know they 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 still uh they still lay claim to to some of the ones that are going to have the most public interest for sure. They definitely definitely do. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into a little bit of Jorge Masvidal, Kamaru Usman. That title fight was announced this week. A lot of things shaking out with the UFC that we got to get to. A lot of dominoes are falling into place. So. We'll get into that. We'll take a quick break here on Tobin's Fight Show. We're back after this. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. We'll uh, roll on to the UFC. We touched on it a little bit in the last segment. but We were talking a lot of boxing there. But the UFC had a lot of stuff happen this week. It, it really, really had a lot of announcements, a lot of news. So let's dive into all of it. Uh, locally, the biggest thing that uh, was announced was Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Miami zone. He is going to be back in action coming up April 24th. He will be having his rematch against Kamaru Usman for the welterweight championship of the world. This is the fight that Kamaru Usman wanted. After beating Gilbert Burns, he said that he wanted. Jorge Masvidal, I've seen some people griping about, oh, Jorge doesn't deserve the title fight. He didn't do another fight. That's all well and good. The champ gets to fight who the champ wants to fight. I mean, they've done it for Israel Adesanya, um, where he wanted to fight Yoel Romero coming off of losses so it's it's totally totally okay with me that Kamaru Usman wants to do the Hori Masvidal fight again and they have the easy storyline of full camp it's a good beef they finally have a, a you know they'll have uh some proper time not a lot of time but a proper amount of time to promote the fight to do the fight uh in the right way they got about what six weeks out From uh from now until fight till uh till fight time. So interesting one, it's gonna be taking place in Jacksonville. The big deal about this one is Jorge Masvidal, Kamaru Usman is going to be the first main event with a full packed arena. It is going to have um a a full capacity crowd available in Jacksonville in the arena there locally. And that's cool. I was a little upset when I first saw this, you know, speaking, not to get greedy. I'm like a, I'm like a little fight pig. Um but I thought that, you know, this was obvious and, and even Camaro talked about this that this fight should take place down at the American Airlines Arena and 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 so did Masvidal's management team. It just seemed like that would have been the perfect way to go. I just don't know where, you know, the people who run the American Airlines Arena and the Miami Heat. I don't know where they stand right now in having a full capacity crowd. I would venture to guess if they're not willing to do it with their fan base yet, their NBA fan base yet, and their concert fan base yet, they're just not quite ready to do it at the uh, at the expense of the UFC. And the same goes for the BB&T Center, which had the last South Florida event. I'm dying for them to have an event down here. And look, if, if Jorge ends up winning the championship, I think it's obvious that you got to do a fight down here eventually, especially with, you know, this place being more opened up hell you could just have it down by the clevelander on south beach it basically looks like a full arena down there um but you know so i was a little bummed to actually found out this news i was at disney this week with the family and i was like oh jacksonville Eh." but then i started thinking to myself and i'm like i think i'm gonna go i think i'm gonna go i I told my wife i'm like you know what uh i haven't covered a ufc event in a long time they don't come to uh, florida a ton i didn't go for the last one of the pandemic, I don't even know if they had me to hit the last one. Maybe they did, but there's probably a monster amount of protocol you had to do. But uh, you know, things have I've covered more fights now in the time. I've covered heat games. I'm just more used to it now. So and, and I think it'd be cool because they're they're doing things in person, you know. It's not like you do you have to do things via Zoom. And so I told, my wife, I was like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna go cover it. I, I think I'm gonna go cover it. So uh got a hotel room. Um for that weekend and, you know, applied for credentials should probably hear back on that soon, unless I'm on the blacklist. I don't know. Uh, but I don't think that I am. And yeah, I think I want to go cover this. I think I want to go cover this and, and, and check this out and, and, and get you guys some good fight content for that week. Um, because you know, one, you got two guys with South Florida ties in the, uh, in the main event. I think that's huge. And we have one that's what five hours away. I'll take the little drive ski you know, Jacksonville, go check it out. They'll be all crazy, willing to... Is that... Uh, let me try to think. Is that uh, NFL Draft? Is, I think, the next week. So, they'll be getting ready for Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. They'll be excited. It'll be popping over there. Uh, as far as as uh, as far as the fight, though, is concerned, you know, look. I, I You know, people ask me, like, do they think that the full camp is going to make a difference with Jorge Masvidal? I think it can from the standpoint of I think you could get a little bit stronger. I think that maybe you could be more a little bit at your peak. Um, you know, now that he's been in there with Kamaro, can he know what's the proper way to go train to keep him off of him? I think all of that stuff is possible. You know, he obviously has to keep this this fight to play. He has to obviously keep this fight in the center of the octagon. Um, you also wonder will Kamaro be more willing to trade? You know, is he a guy that feels a little bit froggy fighting under Trevor Whitman, having his uh, his now patented switch stance jab, that's uh, his strong hand, his lead hand being in front, that he did damage with Gilbert Burns with and did damage with Colby Covington with. Will he actually try and do that with Jorge Masvidal? I would venture to guess no, because I would think that you would want the best path to go win your championship, and it feels like if you have a great grappling advantage over Jorge Masvidal, why would you go right into his wheelhouse and, and try and strike with him? George had very small pockets of being able to strike with Kamaru. Um, It was mostly, you know, Kamaru really trying to neutralize, take him down, and really wore him down as the fight went on. So, yeah, I do think that George can can still beat Kamaru Usman. I, st- I definitely think that, first of all, if we see that finishing type of Jorge Masvidal, that guy who... Uh, in 2019, just 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 diced through every opponent that he was given. I think that that guy can go and try and get a finish against Camaros, but I think that's possible, um, especially now that you have a little bit more data behind you of of what went down in that last fight. But you know, Camaro's also feeling his peak. You know, this this is a guy that I think f- feels really really good about himself, feels really good about his skill set, um, and he also now I think has has another. He has now five rounds of, of Horry Masvidan and he has five rounds of winning. So it, it's, it's a tough ask. I think to ask Corey to, to go and win a decision, I would have a hard time believing he could go win a decision just because I feel like Kamara always has that calling card that he could go back and just make it a boring fight and almost like take the air out of the football and go and, and get a decision. Um, But if he does feel a little bit more froggy, if, if, if Jorge can lull him into a sense of security with the striking, almost uh you know be be uh, a counter striker more so than that, that 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 aggressor that we've seen that got him to the top where he's really dishing out the punishment early. Um, if he could do something like that, then yeah, I think he could definitely catch Kamara with something that hurts. We we know that he has the ability to uncork some things viciously with his his knees and stuff like that. If he catches Kamara Usman and kind of shoot in, it's just that. You know, we haven't seen Kamaru uh, just do that Ben Asker thing where you're going to dive down. Like, typically, he's going to bring you up against a cage, wear you down, trip you up, things like that. So, it's, it is it is tougher for me after watching, I think all these things, like, typically when there are fights and there's not a lot of separation between them. um, We get talked into a lot of things. We get said, you know, uh, new camp you know, more info, you know, new training partners, all that type of stuff. Some of that stuff turns out to be true. You know, we saw this with, with Kamar going to Colorado with Trevor Whitman. It looked like he did did get a little bit crisper with his striking, did uh get better at some things that he didn't have down here. Um some of these things are true with Mosfidal. This guy looked like a different fighter in twenty nineteen compared to the one that we had seen for, you know, maybe the 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 previous four three years in his career before that. So I do think guys can make a change. I think we see there's Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor, but there was just a little bit more space between that. Um, The one thing that would worry me if you're a Masvidal fan in this one is just that I do think that Kamaru can oh, can can get to that path. It, it's very incumbent upon Masvidal to make sure Kamaru can't make this a boring fight and can't take away opportunities. Like he's going to have to find a way to keep Usman off of him, especially that pressure of holding him up against the cage, doing uh, you know, the foot stomping that that he was made fun of uh, like crazy for, and and having that eventually turn into him taking him down, being on top of him and stuff like that. Like he really has to be elusive in this fight, um, be faster than he than he is than he than he than he's been in and out, all that type of stuff. And and then he's obviously got to watch those kicks too because that can that can lead to getting taken down as well. So uh, it's still a fight I can't wait for. I still think even with all that being said, because Masvidal has the ability to put the lights out, it's intriguing. It's intriguing and he, and he doesn't need... We even saw with the, the Damian Maya fight with Masvidal even before his crazy run. He had some really, really good moments in those pockets where he had to wear Damian Maya like a backpack for a lot of that fight. And even still, I think made a lot of. The, I think Masvidal does a really good job of that, of making the most of small opportunities in a fight. So uh, it, it's an intriguing matchup to me. Either way, um, the other thing we got, we got two more title fights on this card. You got uh, Zhang Wei Li. She's going to be taking on Rose Namajunas. Fun fight. Can't wait for that. And then you have Valentina Shevchenko getting a challenge of uh, Jessica Andrade going to flyweight. So that's a fun one, too. That's a fun card coming up to Jacksonville. I don't know if anybody's going to be making the ride up. I will be. So uh, I hope to see you guys there at the uh, at the uh, what the hell is it called? The the Vi Jacksonville Arena. It's called the Vi something Memorial Arena. Uh, It's like Vi Star Veterans Memorial Arena. I kind of had it their piece together. It's like a game of categories or something like that. Um, All right. So let's get to the other big news this week. The other big news this week was Habib Nurmagomedov called it a career. Finally. Well, I should really say Dana White finally called it a career of trying to convince Habib to come out of retirement. Habib told you he retired months ago. He told you that he was done fighting. And Dana White just wasn't going to take that for an answer, hoping that Conor McGregor could get a win and they could set up themselves a, a little rematch. But either way, He's done. He's finally, uh, they finally announced that He's finally, uh, he's going to relinquish the belt. And they uh, have a new championship fight. And I have a problem with it. I have a problem with it. And it's, it's two sides to this. Because I'm happy for the guys getting the championship opportunity. I really like them as fighters. So, they announced that at UFC 262, which will take place, you know, what is that? Just three weeks after... The, uh, the Jacksonville card in Houston, Michael Chandler is going to be taking on Charles Oliveira for the vacant 155-pound championship. And it's a couple things. One, it's a great fight. I'm excited about the fight in itself. Um, so I want to make that clear. I love Michael Chandler. I've liked him since Bellator. Uh, that dude was basically the face of Bellator forever. Charles Oliveira definitely has put himself in a chance and in, in a position to fight for a championship. He's on an eight-fight win streak. He is uh, finishing people left and right. He's absolutely dangerous. He ragdolled Tony Ferguson. But I'm just at a spot where we have this division that is going to have a Habib Cloud hanging over it anyway. And I got a hard time putting two guys in there fighting for a championship when neither one of them is the best lightweight outside of Habib on the planet. And what I mean by that is the fact that Dustin Poirier's next fight is not going to be for the championship, the vacant championship, is stupid. Okay? He went out there. He kicked the crap out of Dan Hooker. All right? Beat him up. Beat him up after after surviving an onslaught early on in that fight. But beat up Dan Hooker after he survived the the early onslaught. And destroyed Conor McGregor. Became the first guy ever to stop Conor McGregor with strikes. That's a big deal. I mean, you know, say what you want about Conor McGregor, your opinion of him, all this uh, you know, that he's washed, he's not the same guy. Fine. But that guy's still. A, a an all-time great a two-time champion a sign the first simultaneous champ champ uh and was a guy who knocked Dustin Poirier out inside of a round and he came back and became the first guy to stop him he's his only loss other than Michael Johnson at lightweight is to one of the best fighters of all time maybe the best lightweight of all time and the fact that he's not fighting for the championship is dumb. And I, I, I got some pushback on this on Twitter where people are like, well, he chose the bucks over the belt. He chose the bucks over the belt. You know, he he should have said, no, I want to fight Charles Oliveira. I want to fight Michael Chandler. Well, he already said that he wasn't going to fight Michael Chandler. Uh, You know, that he would go sell hot sauce. He said that, uh, made that very clear after the fight. And I got his right." You know Michael Chandler is Michael Chandler's paid his dues. Okay, he 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 has gone out there and he has been a a great fighter and one of the best lightweights in the world for a long time. But I can see where Poirier is coming from. The guy has been over the Poirier's never been given what Michael Chandler's been given. Michael Chandler walked in there, beat a guy that Poirier just beat and got handed The and got handed the golden ticket like he was like he was Willy Wonka, you know, or Willy Wonka gave it to the kid, whatever. The point is, he was given an opportunity that Poirier's never been given. You know, Poirier has had to scrap and claw and be in the most violent fights against the most violent opponents, be the most entertaining fighter on the planet, and. nearly beat Habib, got him in a guillotine, and his reward for that is yeah. I mean you could either you could either fight for the belt or make lots of money. And I just find it odd that we're making a guy like that choose. Why does Poirier have to be in a position where he has to choose money over belts First of all, you should be making a ton of money. Like, let's be honest. When's the last boring Dustin Poirier fight you've seen? You haven't. Congratulations. You just answered your question. Second of all, people who are coming at me with, you can't give Conor McGregor a title fight off of a loss. Well, yes, you can. Yoel Romero just got a title fight. Yoel Romero got a title fight recently over Israel Adesanya. He came off a loss of Paulo Costa and... They couldn't come to an agreement, I guess, on Costa, and they ended up giving the uh, the title fight to Yoel just because Israel Adesanya wanted it. And Israel Adesanya has been in the UFC for three seconds compared to, to Dustin Poirier. So I just find it weird. And, and the other thing is, you're telling me Conor McGregor, if he were to win this fight and beat essentially the best lightweight, the best active lightweight on the planet, that's not worthy of a championship? It obviously is and Dustin Poirier by all accounts if you guys would have gone to the point where you would have accepted Habib's decision in the first place the last fight would have been for the title and you absolutely would have put given Conor the opportunity to win the belt and so he got knocked out okay they're 2-2 in this series that's gonna be the big selling point and this one is for all the marbles this one is for a championship and it's no disrespect to to, to to Oliveira and Michael Chandler, but neither one of those guys, even after this fight, you're not going to be able to tell me that Michael Chandler, coming off of a, a, a stint in Bellator, is going to be able to lay claim to being the best lightweight on the planet after it went over Dan Hooker, who lost to Poirier, and then Charles Oliveira, who's been like, in the mainstream eye, for like three seconds, and I know he's been in the UFC forever, but I mean, like as a as an actual title contender, he's been there for three. Like he is the flavor of the month right now, right or wrong, he is. And you're gonna tell me if Michael Chandler wins that fight, we're gonna look at him upon this in in the best division the UFC has to offer as the best fighter. I don't know. I go no sale on that. Not for not not without beating Dustin Poirier um and then olivera same thing like we're gonna look at olivera if he goes and beats michael chandler great for olivera nine straight wins it's a pretty damn good resume and he's beating a guy in michael chandler who yes as i said love watching him bellator carry the torch of a promotion forever definitely deserves the 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 fight fans respect but if he goes and beats him as the ufc for the ufc championship when the guy's been in the ufc for three seconds what are we doing how, how are we saying that that is a, a more viable championship fight than the best lightweight on the planet having to go beat a guy in Conor McGregor, who, yes, he just beat, but has also knocked him out inside of a round? I get it. You know, nobody wants to feel like they're giving Conor McGregor favorable treatment, but we're going to act like that doesn't happen in the fight game. <laughs> you know, like that doesn't that doesn't happen anyway. Why is this the exception? Why is Dustin Poirier getting screwed because now all of a sudden you want to have some moral stand on Conor McGregor not fighting for a championship? It's just weird to me. Like, you would rather have a, a more unfulfilling championship fight than the chance that Conor McGregor wins a belt that he doesn't deserve to fight for at the time? Sure. But if he beats the guy across the cage from him, then that guy is definitely deserving of being champion. And if Dustin beats him, he beat him twice. One, he probably should have been the champion anyway. So he would have deserved to to fight for the belt. I just, I don't know what Dustin Poirier has to do to just kind of get everything to roll in his direction. Dustin Poirier deserves it all here. Deserves it more than Oliveira, Gaethje, Michael Chandler. He deserves a fight against Conor McGregor for a lot of money. And it should be for the championship. We're back after this. Welcome back, everybody. Tolan's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. We roll on. Uh, A couple of news and notes before. I want to get into UFC 260, which is coming up next week. Fun card. Fun card coming up next week. But let me uh, get some news and notes in here. So Canelo Alvarez, Billy Joe Saunders, that was announced. It is going to take place at Cowboy Stadium May 8th. So Texas is going to get themselves a big one. Uh, shout out to uh, to Jerry's World. That's a, That's a fun place to watch a fight, man. I, I I got a chance to see Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia there. A lot of fun. Uh, some big UFC fights that have been announced. You had this week T.J. Dillashaw's return against Corey Sandhagen. That's a fun fight. Uh, looking forward to that. As you have uh, you know, Sandhagen was probably on deck to to get the championship, but obviously with the way uh, Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Yan ended in such controversy. You know, you need to do a big fight that's on the uh, on the side while you wait. That's a big one. You get to a chance to welcome TJ Dillashaw back. I think it even, uh, you know, I think if you're TJ, puts you right back in the title picture if you win. If you're Corey, another feather in your cap as you, you solidify that number one spot even more. And, you know, probably feels really good about himself uh, watching, I think, both of, uh, both Jan and Aljamain, the way that fight went down. Um, just the, uh, the amount of times that Aljo was able to get his hands on Piotr um, probably gives Corey San Diego a lot of confidence, uh, especially with his ability to have thrilling knockouts and, you know, Aljo just doesn't have that firepower. So I think he's got to feel good about, uh, how things shake out of that. And then, uh, coming up on May 22nd, Cody Garbrandt, Rob Font, uh, Cody first fight since his, uh, walk-off knocking against Rafael Sunsau, Rob Font. Uh, rolling a little bit too. So that uh, that should be a really fun fight. And then Jack Hermanson and Edmund Shabazi, and that is going to be at UFC 262 on the Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira card. So those are some of the, uh, the fights that were announced this week, uh, among others, but uh, really, really fun grouping of fights. And then uh, Henry Cejudo also mentioned this week, I think this was on the Mike Tyson podcast, that he is interested in fighting Max Holloway. So you knew Triple C was going to make a comeback inevitably, and he beats Max Holloway, puts himself in line for featherweight. Maybe he actually you know, was able to put himself in a position to go and win the featherweight championship. And speaking of the featherweight championship, so we got breaking news on Saturday night from Ariel Hawani that the championship fight between Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega is off due to COVID-19 protocol, which is a big bummer. Um, I was looking forward to that matchup. It's certainly uh, still a pretty good card, even with that gone, but it was a really stacked card when you had those two championships um and i thought that you know featherweight's an interesting spot because a lot of people looked you know at alexander as uh an undeserving champ right now that they think that that max is the uncrowned king right now and you know if brian wins brian is lost to max i think that kind of makes things a little bit easier um but we're gonna have to wait we're gonna have to wait until uh that one can get settled up and we'll see because you know, we've seen some some fighters have a really tough time coming back from, from COVID, so we'll see what the bounce-back situation is with that or if it's just a protocol thing uh, as far as that fight is concerned. But, um, you know, the real meat and potatoes of this does have the heavyweight championship of the world. Steven Miachich taking on Francis Ngannou. You also have Tyron Woodley, Vicente Luque. You also have Sean O'Malley taking on Thomas Almeida, and you also have Kamal Worthy taking on Jamie Malarkey. So a lot of fun fights. On uh, that main card, coming up next week. Um, all right, I'll start with the heavyweight championship fight: uh, Steve Bay versus Francis. I think this is a fascinating, fascinating matchup for a couple of reasons. One, we know what happened in the first one. That was a a matchup at UFC that was at 220 two years ago, January 2018. So we're coming up on more than two years ago, and Steve Miechich got himself a unanimous decision and broke a record for most consecutive UFC heavyweight title defenses. A lot of people thought that solidified him as the GOAT and eventually would set up his championship fight with Daniel Cormier where he would get knocked out. Look, rematches are always fascinating to me. Um, Going back and looking at the fight, watching it the last time, I mean, look, Francis definitely whenever he got some shots on Stipe, they did some damage. Uh, It just was so few and far between. And really, uh, nothing past that that third round right hand that he was able to land on Stipe. He had that monster uppercut in the first, which nearly closed Stipe's eye. Um, But, you know, Stipe wasn't dumb about it. You know, he had a speed advantage because you saw just the adrenaline dump that Francis had after the first round. Um, He just was laboring so much, and he was just touching him up with calf kicks then would take him down, then would just lean on his neck, would hit with knees to the body, just basically everything to wear him out. And then, you know, from time to time would just hit him with a one-two, was just quicker with the, with the hands on it. So I guess when you look at Francis, there's a couple of things that you have to wonder going into this. One, uh, is there a mental effect that's still lingering from that fight? I don't buy into that too much. I think that we definitely saw that in the Derek Lewis fight. We saw a guy that was gun shy. We saw a guy who was afraid to get tired. We saw a guy that was afraid to get hit. Um, I think that he's gotten over that just because of how he's been steamrolling opponents. He's also been very patient in regards to getting to this title fight because of the trilogy between Cormier and Stipe taking so long. So I think he has that going for him as far as like, Look, he, he he's probably gotten over the mental hurdles of this first Stipe fight. I don't think that's a lingering effect. What I do think is a problem, though, is um, what is going to happen to Francis from a physical standpoint if this goes past three minutes, if this goes past five minutes. Has he developed enough in his fight game, in the type of shape that he's in, that if Stepe is able to with 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 uh, withstand the storm, that is those those monster punches that he has. Can he keep it going? Can he keep himself dangerous past around? If he could do that, I really do think he has a good shot to win. I, I really do think that when you're that dangerous a puncher and you have that kind of Super Saiyan power that's laid in your hands, I do think that over five rounds there's a good chance that he could catch Stipe and, 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 and hurt him. I mean, look, we're talking about a guy in Stipe who, you know, got knocked out by Daniel Cormier, and I think we could all agree we think that Francis Ngannou probably has more punching power than Daniel Cormier does. Um, He also was, you know, really was given the business to to – Daniel Cormier was really given the business in that second fight uh, up until the body shots, and he got and he got cocky. And so have we seen the best version of Stepe? as crazy as that is to say, now that he's got two straight wins over DC? You know, maybe he's getting up there. I don't know. I, I think there are ways you could talk yourself in. It's not like Francis is young, but he's much younger in his fight life than Stipe is, and especially because he hasn't been in these crazy wars. You know, other than the Stipe fight, it's really just been and the Derek Lewis fight where there really wasn't a lot of damage back and forth it's really just been first rounds first round one hitter quitters let's 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 go home so I think he's have that going for him you know but the, the, there's there's the other side of me that's just like all right but Stipe's always going to have uh the ability to take him down Stipe's gonna have the ability to wear on him Stipe's just got more in the toolbox than Francis does Francis has maybe the best tool going into this but Stipe's got just the entire arsenal you know he's coming you got one guy who's coming with a jackhammer and you got one guy who's coming with the whole toolkit and you know you may get one job done faster but then what do you do with the rest of it once that once that one task is done I think that makes sense I don't know it's tough to get that first fight out of my mind and think that Stipe can't just find a way to do that again. Um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier in the show. Kind of similar to Camaro versus Jorge Masvidal. Um, similar fights in a lot of ways. Similar fights. It, it, I, I think that Jorge was in better shape. He just really couldn't get Kamara awesome off him. So I don't think he was taking as much damage as Francis did. But I think that we saw that you know once Camaro found a path that he knew he couldn't lose. He could always go to that, and I think that was with the thing with Stipe is, he he beat him up. That first round was really thrilling. The second round he took him down, really wore on him. And once he once he had that in his back pocket, and he took away the boogeyman's strength, it was kind of all she wrote from there. Outside of like you know a, a couple of other shots that France was able to get, and look, he's got dangerous dangerous hands. It's just upon him to be in the kind of shape that he needs to be in if the first round doesn't go his way and he doesn't deal with Stipe immediately. What kind of guy are we going to get after that? That's what's on him. That's what's on him going into this fight. Um, but I'm going to go with Stepe. I, I still think that uh, that Stepe gets it done. I, st- I think it'll be by decision. I don't think that he's going to put away Francis. I'm not willing to, I guess, put faith into Francis because as amazing as this run has been, and it has been amazing, don't get me wrong... Since the Derek Lewis fight, he's TKO'd Curtis Blades, one round, 45 seconds. He beat Cain Velasquez, knocked him out, 26 seconds. Junior Dos Santos, beat him up, one minute, 11 seconds. Jorginho Rosenstrike 20 seconds. And as great as that is, and it is great, and it is impressive, and it is fun to watch this guy go to work. None of those guys are Steve Miocic. They're not. And... What happens if he can't put him away? We still don't know that answer. As good as that run has been, and as much as he's earned his stripe, you go listen. A lot of guys they go out there, they don't win the heavyweight championship, win another fight, maybe two fights. He went out there, he steamrolled four very dangerous guys and did it all in a, in a round's time. Really, you know, less than what was it, the, the longest fight that he won? What did I mentioned, 111. So he's doing basically all of this inside of two minutes every single time. That's crazy. That's a crazy, crazy run, but Stipe is different, man. He's the heavyweight goat. He, 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 he is. He's just built a di- as a different beast. So I'm gonna go with Stipe to get his hand raised from this. Um, and then I, I think the other really intriguing fight of the night. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Sean O'Malley for sure. Uh, see if he can bounce back. I think that's a big fight for him, especially with the hype train that was behind him. But the the one that you have to be keeping an eye on is Tyron Woodley versus Vicente Luque. Uh, I think for a couple of reasons. One, we're seeing all these guys that are getting cut from the UFC left and right. All these big name guys, all these um, big names, and so it feels like if Tyron were to lose this fight, um, you wonder if a guy like that is 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 possibly uh, on uh, on on the the cutting room floor if he's not able to get a win over Vicente Luque and. We just haven't seen anything from from Tyron since losing the belt. I mean, we really, really haven't. He just hasn't looked like the same guy. Vicente Luque is an absolute dangerous monster with the strikes that he could put forth. Um, And the thing that's just you know, the thing with Tyron is, it feels like he gets in there and he just he he watches these fights go by. Uh, It's not even like you know he's getting he's he's not only getting dominated, but it even feels like that explosion that was there the 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 guy who um, can can be dangerous and 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 absolutely has one punch knockout power that feels like a lifetime ago um, but I am intrigued to see what happens here with this but it's a great card coming up at UFC 260 we'll have a full reaction to it coming up next week thanks to everybody for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time.